Many of you know that Amy and I had an opportunity to travel out of town this past week as we visited up to the largest city in the United States, one of the largest cities in the world, New York City. Uh, we went to travel there to celebrate a milestone in my wife's life, her 21st birthday, the, the 19th time over. <laughs> and, uh, so we uh, had a good time just touring around the city, and, and we knew we were going to be away, at least we had planned to be away on Sunday, and uh, one of our good leaders here that I've grown to respect and appreciate so much had offered to fill in during that time. Uh, the way the weather worked out, we actually ended up having a couple of flights that were canceled, and we got, finally got rescheduled uh, to a flight that came in on Saturday, and so we came in, we landed in Charlotte. Uh, we were originally destined for Greensboro, but we landed in Charlotte around midnight, and uh, had a good mom who drove down and picked us up from the Charlotte airport and drove us up. And just as the old white stuff was starting to accumulate on the ground, we were able to be here with our kids and uh, just enjoy seeing it without worrying about how we're going to get back through it with all the cancellations of flights and things. So a great trip for us. But uh, because we were out of town, Brother Keith Richardson spent a good bit of time preparing, and he was going to, to share a message with you guys next week, and I know he's invested a lot of prayer, a lot of time into the message that he had prepared, so I said, Keith, would you mind bringing that thing out and sharing what God's laid on your heart this coming Sunday, and Keith is always uh, such a, a great help around here. I've grown to appreciate him. Uh, he's, he's a definite man of God, a, a man of the Word. He and I had the opportunity to work together as we were starting up our student ministry, which Keith now leads, and uh, Keith is just a, a man who really invests his time in the Word, and, and he brings that to the benefit of our student ministry week in and week out, and I'm so glad that you all are going to have an opportunity to enjoy a piece of that as he comes to share a message with you here today. So Keith, would you come and, and share what God's laid on your heart, and let's give him a good welcome this morning. Video. <laughs> All right. no, I'm just kidding. This morning, I want us to look into some uh, scripture here. Now, we're gonna, not going to do a, a real in-depth study of these scriptures here, but I want us to look at them and examine what's important in these scriptures. You know, a lot, a lot of times we... We look through scriptures and we see all the things inside of them. Just, just basically like Christmas time. You know, Christmas time we see all the glimmering lights and the twinkling and flashing things and all the, the trees and all the stuff that really don't matter about what Christmas is all about. And as we look into these scriptures this morning, these things matter, of course. However, I want us to look at something this morning that I, th I don't even feel worthy to even talk about. And that's the glory of God. God, in all of his greatness, in all of his power, in all of his majesty, just to get a glimpse and see who he really is. Do we know who he really is? Do we have a good understanding? When we come aside on Sunday morning and gather like this, to worship him. Do we see him for who he really is? 
do we have a good understanding of our great God and who that he is? This morning, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of Luke. Luke chapter number 2, verses 8 through 14. It's amazing that I just saw these scriptures on the screen when the kids were singing. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14, it says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the field and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There appeared with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. I want to look at the subject this morning of seeking seeking the glory that the shepherds saw. And I want us to just look into that word glory this morning. And gather from it what we can to be able to understand what a great God we have. How mighty and powerful that he is. Now, we look at these things and we see all of the things, all the stuff in this story. We see the shepherd. Uh, We see the sheep. We see it being at nighttime. But how much focus do we put on the glory of God? The glory that shone around them that day. It's, it's kind of like this. It's just, there's a story told of a, a young boy. And he, uh, he heard at school one day that the circus was coming to town. So he's all excited about the circus. I mean, he is pumped up. You know, he's going to go see the circus. And so he comes running home. This is t- during the time of the Great Depression when money was very scarce. He come running home and he tells his dad that the circus is coming to town. And he tells his dad the tickets for the circus is only a dollar, dad. And he says, his dad says, okay. He says, but we just don't have a dollar to spend for the circus. He says, I'll tell you what if you do. If you go out and you'll pick up some jobs and you earn your part, he says, I'll give you the rest and you can go to the circus. He says, so this, so this young man goes out and he does his little odd jobs. And three days before the circus comes to town... The young man comes in and he brings his money that he has and his father matches it and he runs off to town, buys his ticket to the circus. Well, the circus comes to town that day and he goes out and he gets his ticket from home and he runs out to the street corner and he's sitting there and he's watching the parade come by of all the people and the animals. He sees the elephants, he sees the giraffes, he sees the lions and here comes along a clown dressed up in his funny suit. And the little boy reaches out, and he hands his ticket to the, to the clown. And the clown continues on down the street. And the boy finishes watching the parade go down the street, and then he comes home. And when he comes home, his dad says, Where have you been? He said, I went to the parade. He said, I went to the circus. 
And his dad says, you went to the circus? He says, tell me a little bit about the circus. He says, well, I got to see all the animals and all the people go down the street. I handed my ticket to the clown and I come home. And the dad, looking at him, grabs him in his arms and says, son, you didn't see the circus. All you saw was the parade. And how many of us on a daily basis are just looking at the performance of things that happen in our lives and we never really see what's going on. Take this, for instance. Let's say that you load up the family and you're going to Florida to Disney World. You get in the car, you get the family all packed up, and you take off and you head down to Disney World, and you drive all the way down to Florida, and you get down there where there's a big sign, and it's telling all about Disney World. It's got all the highlights of what's going on. You stop at the sign, and you, you get out your food, and you enjoy your picnic, and you say, oh, well, we had a great time at Disney World, and you turn around and you go back home, and that's as far as you get. Sometimes when we look into the Scriptures... Sometimes when we are studying the Scripture, sometimes when we hear the Word of God, we see very little of who God truly is and all of His glory and all of His majesty. And all I want to do today through this message is to help us get an understanding of how great God is. He is a great God, mighty and powerful. Let's don't limit Him. Let's don't limit Him in who He is. And uh, as we look at these Scriptures... We think about, I just want to use them as a, as a jumping off point to get an understanding of how great, mighty, and powerful he is. When we think of God, I mean literally think of God, what do we think about? When you hear people on, on a daily basis talking about God, what do you think about? Do they have a good understanding of who God is? In all of his mighty power, and all of his glory, do they have a good understanding of who God is? You see, without people understanding, without people reading the word of God, without people knowing the God of the Bible, too much is left to the imagination of who God is. And we can create a God in whom we want to have, one that we can control. But that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is one who is in control. He's mighty. He's powerful. He's glorious. And as the shepherds are out there in the field that night, keeping watch over the flock, and we could go through all about what the shepherds did. These were just normal men. And all of a sudden, the announcement comes of the Savior of the world being born. And the Bible says, The glory of the Lord shone around the angels that day, and the people were terrified. The glory of the Lord, who he is in all of his mighty power, in all that he is. But as we look at these scriptures, as we look at this, and we understand that God is great, that he's mighty, he's powerful. Can't say that enough. We understand, when we look at this, we understand the concept of what glory is. Now let's think of this in human terms. If I mentioned the name Michael Jordan or LeBron James, Steph Curry, you think of greatness when it comes to basketball, right? When I mentioned the name 
Serena Williams or Roger Federer, you think of greatness when it comes to tennis, right? When I mention the name of Tom Brady, Micah, you think of greatness when it comes to football, right? Why? Because these people have excelled in doing something that most people can't do. I heard Robbie Zacharias tell a story about uh, two of the greatest football players, not football, but the real football. Soccer. Greatest ones. Always debating about who is the best. That's Lionel Messi from Argentina and Cristiano Ronaldo from Portugal. Always debating about who is the best, who is the greatest. And if you know anything about soccer, you understand how good they are. But they said they interviewed Cristiano Ronaldo one day, and while doing an interview, Cristiano Ronaldo said that he thought that God had sent him here on this earth to show other people how soccer should be played. Okay? And it was his responsibility to teach other people how to do it. They interviewed Lionel Messi later on and says, Did you hear the comment that Cristiano Ronaldo made? He said, I did. He said, but I don't understand. I don't remember sending Cristiano Ronaldo here to show him. These people have excelled. And when we think of glory, we think in these terms of these people, these people have the ability to do things that most people can't do, right? There's just, I mean, there's just some things that people like that have been, are able to do that most people can't. Now, they didn't just get this ability like that. It took years and years of practice. They weren't born like this. Years and years of practice to become who they are. To get their ability by putting in the time, by putting in hours and hours. And as we see that, we know that, that this is only a limited thing. We know that it's only limited because... Michael Jordan don't play basketball no more, does he? It's a thing of the past for him. His glory is a thing of the past. Yeah, people remember him, and they continue to remember him, but there's going to be a time when, you know, somebody else is going to come along and take his place. That's not so with God. God's power... God's ability, God's glory is not subject to anything outside of himself. Nothing at all. We can't say that God was born with it because he wasn't born, right? We can't say that God had it from the beginning because he never had a beginning, right? But God intrinsically, when you think of glory, you think of God. You think of the majestic one. You think of God. No man has that power, that ability. No man can measure up to who he is. 
Now I want to look at three things today. As we look through, these, look through this uh, message, I want to look at three things. Number one, what is glory? Number two, how does, how does God glorify himself? And last, why does glory matter? What is glory? How does God glorify himself? And why does glory matter? Number one, what is glory? Now, first of all, before we go to that, just, just think of it. When, when Isaiah, in, in the book of Isaiah, when he said, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his what? Glory, right? You would think he would say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his holiness, right? But it don't. It says the whole earth is filled with his glory. That is who he is. Intrinsically, that's who God is. When you think of God, you think of glory. Now, the Bible mentions glory all throughout the whole Bible. The word glory is mentioned. Do we have an understanding of what it is? Now, I want to define a couple of words that help us to understand what that is. And the first word is the word kabod, which is the Hebrew word here for glory, which means weight or heavy, meaning to have a lot of. Weight or heavy, to have a lot of. Have a lot of money. We glory, you know, People are glorified when they have a lot of money, a lot of power. And as we mentioned before, when they have a lot of talent, they're glorified. They have a lot of ability. We think of these people that are like this, that have all this power and glory. Now, we think of uh, the rich man that Jesus approached. He said... uh, Jesus, he, he want, asked Jesus what, what he had to do to have eternal life. And Jesus goes on to tell him, and he said, all this I've done. And Jesus said, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. Now, this guy had a lot of glory. He had so much that he wasn't willing to give it up. So when you think in terms of glory, it means a lot of or abundance of the word kabod. How many of you knows another word that has kabod in it? Inkabod, right? The word, the name Inkabod. Now it was Eli, you know, the sons of Eli and all that they'd done. And the, and the, the lady named her son Inkabod, which meant what? The glory of God had departed. So this, the word Kabod means weighty or heavy. The prophet Isaiah gives us a small glimpse into understanding of how great God is. Here in Isaiah chapter 40, in verse number 12, he said that, uh, that it is he who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. God has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. That's how huge he is. That's how enormous he is. He measured the water in, his ho- in the hollow of his hand. Now, if you want to get an understanding of that, go over to the sink Reach out your hand and turn on the water and see how much water you can hold and how small it might make you feel in comparison to this great God that we serve. And he deserves all the honor 
and glory that we can give him. The second word is the word doxa, which is the Greek word, meaning splendor or brightness, as in the sun, the stars. But when referring to God, it means magnificent or excellent, a thing belong only, belonging only to God. Now, to get an understanding of this, we can go to the story of, we talked about it in Sunday school this morning, we can go to the story of Moses, when Moses asked God to see his glory. And God said, no man can see my face and live. And Moses was really wanting to be able to be with God, really wanting to know him and all that he was. And God told him, says, if you go and hide in the cleft of the rock, he says, when I pass by, I'll let you see what's remaining or my behind part, what's left over. But you, don't, you can't see me and live. We can't see God and live in our current state. We don't, we, don't have the, we don't have the power and ability, but one day we're going to be given a glorified body that we can be with him and we can see him. But that's another message. But to get an understanding of this, we can remember that. And also at the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus took Peter, James, and John upon the mountain. And there he unveiled his humanity. And it said his, he shined, the brightness of him shined in all of his glory and all of his splendor. And I just wonder sometimes when we come into a service like this, when we come into this place and we sit down and we sing the songs, when we pray our prayers when we worship, I just wonder sometimes, do we truly know who we're worshiping? Do we re have a real understanding of how mighty and how powerful the God of the universe is? Do we realize that? The night the shepherds stood out in the field and the angels made the announcement, Luke says the whole multitude of heavenly hosts were saying, In our terms, do you realize how great and magnificent and awesome God is who is making this announcement? Do you realize who this is? And it says they were saying, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Lifting him up, giving him the honor and glory that he deserves. What is glory? It's God and all of his greatness and all of his power. Number two, how does God glorify himself? He does so by, by revealing his greatness to mankind. It's by manifesting his invisible attributes through visible things. He allows us to see. It's by him demonstrating to us some things that we can actually see that demonstrate just who God is. Now, he doesn't need to prove himself. God doesn't. God is glorious regardless of what we think about him. If the whole earth, everyone on it, 
doesn't give him any glory, it doesn't make him any less glorious because he's God. He doesn't need to prove himself, but for our sake, he does put himself on display. In Psalms 19 and verse 1, and Sarah reminded me back there just a minute ago that this is Mike's verse of Scripture that Mike sings about, that he was singing about. She said it reminded her of him. Psalm 19, 1 says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and the expanse is declaring the work of his hand. The heavens are declaring the glory of God. And in Romans 1, verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that we are without excuse. The word telling in, in, uh, in Psalm there, it's, it's in the present tense. It means it keeps on telling and keeps on telling and keeps on telling. And it, he keeps on declaring and declaring who he is through his, invis- his visible attributes that he has shown to us. Nature is meant to constantly show us of God's existence and to tell us how amazing that he is. When we see his artistic abilities, his artistic works, then we should be wowed at who created it. And a lot of times we get caught up in the creation and how all magnificent that it is that we forget that there is a creator who actually designed this. And it's amazing to me to see people that don't understand, that don't have the ability, that don't have the knowledge to know that behind this great design is a great designer. I heard one guy, he said that, he said it's kind of like people that don't believe that there is a designer behind this. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like a tornado flying over a junkyard, and out of it comes a nice Lamborghini. Can you imagine thinking in that terms that we don't believe that there is a creator? We don't understand that God created all of this. We think it just come out of the pavement or something. All of a sudden, boom, and there it is. There's a designer behind it, and through this design, through all of that he has created, he is screaming to the earth. I'm speaking to you. I am God. I'm the one who created it. It's me. And we are without excuse to say we don't know who God is because he's showing this to us. He's displayed it to us through creation. Not only that, he shows us how great and powerful he is. Who else can speak and worlds come into existence? Who else has the power and ability to speak and it just come into existence? To get us a good understanding of how great and powerful God is, there's one aspect of it. Let's look at one component of creation. It says uh, the sun, for instance. The sun is 93 miles, 93 million miles from the earth. 
93 million miles from the earth. How powerful is it that it can burn our skin from that far away if we stay in it long enough? Not only that, to get an understanding of how far away that is, if you got in a jet traveling at 600 miles an hour, it would take 19 years to get from earth to the sun if you could go there. Of course, we know you couldn't. You'd disintegrate, right? Put that in a little bit more perspective. If you got in a car traveling at 60 miles an hour, it would take approximately 177 years to drive from earth to the sun. How big is it? The sun is so large that you can fit 1,003,000 earths inside of it. And our God created that. How big is God if the sun is that big? I was uh, listening to a message by uh, a guy, and he was talking about how that the astronauts, when they got up on the moon and they looked out at the earth, it, it was kind of like l- looking at a little little bit of a a pea outside of that outside of this earth all the all the universe how great and mighty that it is how powerful that god is that he just spoke that into existence and it happened now we see the sun how large it is and it's given just a glimpse of the greatness of god and how great he is and how powerful and mighty he is but listen to this in revelation chapter number 22 and verse number five The Bible says that there would be no need for the uh, sun nor moon. Listen. And there was no longer, there will no longer be any night. And they will have no need of light of a lamp, nor the light of sun. Because the Lord will illumine them and they will reign forever and ever. God himself will be the light. And all of his mighty power and splendor. So when we look at the word doxa, the word aluminum, alumina, we see that God is glorious in, in all of his mighty power and splendor. In the new heaven and new earth, there will be no need for light. He will be the light. Now, why does that matter? Why does glory matter to us? Why does it matter to us? How, how, how does that affect us as individuals, as people? We are glory-oriented people. We are. We're hardwired to chase after bigger and better things. We get excited over great things, whether it's a love story on Hallmark or some sporting event. We really get into it, right? We like to see the great things. We like to see the things that we, that's just, we know that's, Things that we can't even accomplish. We like to watch it. We like to see it. We like to strive for it, of course, knowing, I mean, even uh, us adults, when we get out and we play basketball, we like to think, you know, that we're good. We play soccer. We like to think that we're good. We like to strive to be the best where we're at. We, like, we seek a little bit of glory in that, right? We want to. We get excited over things, whether it's a great musical, a great musician. We join in all, we join in all the glory of others who, and we celebrate how great they are 
by attending the things that they demonstrate for us. I mean, you think of it. How many? How long of a line would some people stand and wait in to get Dale Earnhardt's, or Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s autograph? How long of a line would some people stand to to get LeBron James's autograph? How long of a line would they stand in? I mean, I know we're good Christian people and we got our focus on God, but how many of us would stand in a line to get an autograph from our heroes, the people that we look up to? We celebrate their greatness. We celebrate them in all of their glory. We celebrate God in all of his glory. So we should understand that our makeup is we're created in the image of God to bring glory to God. In Isaiah 43, verse 7, it says, Everyone who is called by me, by my name, whom I have created, why? For my glory. We're created for the glory of God. That's why we are here. If, I, I mean, I know we're not Presbyterian, but how many of you know the Westminster's Catechism, you know, what's the chief end of man? To bring glory to God, right? And to enjoy Him. The chief end of man is to bring glory to God and to enjoy Him and all of His goodness. So we are created in the image of God, and just to bring this to, to a conclusion... We're created in the image of God for the purpose of being a little bit of glimmer of light in a lost and dying world. You take a, a person who's going to show off a diamond. They put it on a dark background, right? They don't just lay it out on the counter so that the light goes right straight through it. They put it on a, a dark background. Well... We're living in a dark world. We're living in a world that don't know this God that we're talking about. Now, they may have some concept of God. They may have created the God of their own imagination that will look over their sin, but that's not the God that we're talking about. The God that we're talking about judges sin, and he did so when he sent his own son to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. But he's still a judging God. And I, mean, I, th- I know that's not popular. It's really not that God is a judge. But he does judge. And in the final analysis of our life, there's going to come a day when everyone is going to stand before him and be judged. Look at Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of what? The glory of God. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Just as the diamond is placed on the black background so that it can shine, we are a little bit of a glimmer of light for people to see. We are created in the image of God. In the beginning, God created us in his image to shine that little bit of glimmer of light. So we have a little bit of glory in in us. But what puts out the glory is when we fail to follow God, when we fail to do what he would have us to do. 
Could it be the reason that we're not totally sold out? The reason that we don't put all of our emphasis on our relationship to God is because we have a low view of God. Could it be that we have a low view of God? Could it be that we, th- that we have brought God down to our level and we make him th- as if he were just this person that is just like us? I think our world has done that. I think our world has brought him down to a level to where he can just look over anything, that nothing matters anymore. That's not our God. Our God is a mighty, powerful God. He's not only a God of love, but he's a God of judgment. He loves us enough to care for us, to send his only son to die to pay the penalty for our sins. That's him judging. When he paid the penalty for my sin, I can go free from the judgment of God knowing that I have accepted his son, the one that he sent. But what about the people that haven't accepted his son? Are you here this morning? Have you not accepted him? Well, then if you don't accept him, you you will be judged. Because God is a God of love and a God of judgment. God, in all of his power, in all of his greatness, in all that he is, do we really, really see him for who he is? Let's don't take the glory of God for granted. Let's don't take God for granted in all that he is. In Psalm 113, verse 3, it says, From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If we want to see the glory of God, we want to have a good understanding of the glory of God, look at Jesus and all that he did. God is a powerful God. He's one that we can look up to and know that he is in charge. Now, our lo- if we have a low view of God, then when it comes trouble times, we're not going to look up to him. But God is greater than our problems, right? God is greater than our struggles. God is greater than anything that we could come up against, any kind of obstacle whatsoever. And when we see that, I was reading something else, and I'll close. I was reading something else about children and uh, the religious, uh, there was a religious study on children about how that they studied this, this group of kids from the age of 4 to 11, and they were from all different races, uh, you know, social uh, backgrounds and stuff like that, and then they, and they studied their, who they were based on what their parents did. And it said for the, per, for the kids who had, whose parents had a good understanding and perception of who God is and all of his power, the kids also had that understanding. But the ones whose parents did had a low view of God, their kids also had a low view of God. And this not only applies to just children, this applies to us in life, in, in our daily life, in our daily walk as believers. 
when we're out there in the world where the rubble meets the road, when we're out there, if we put God on display, the great God that we know, and people see and understand who he is, we have a little bit of a glimmer of glory that we can shine for him on this earth. Wasn't that a blessing? Thank you, brother, for bringing that word. And, you know, this time of year in particular is one in which we are so prone to miss the circus for the parade, right? To, to miss the substance for the sake of the shadow. I mean, we go about and we're all excited about the lights and the festivals and the trees and, and the gathering together and eating good food and all the great things and gifts that come with Christmas and so often we're prone to miss the substance of what it's all about. That God sent His own Son as the greatest of all gifts for us. And, and I love what our brother had to share with us about how ultimately when we talk about God's glory, when we talk about those who hold glory, who hold greatness, hold these things because they are able to do what we cannot do. And friends, you must know that there is something eternally wrong with each one of us that we cannot fix. There is something broken within each and every one of us that, that we cannot mend, we cannot heal. And we need this one who is glorious. We need this one who is so much greater than us. All have sinned and fall short of his glory. But by His own love, by His own righteousness, by His own act of grace, He has given to us an opportunity to be restored to Him. He has given to us an opportunity to reflect who He is, to glorify Him. And so, my friends, I just want to say to you, as we gather here on this day, as you're celebrating all the great things about Christmas, don't miss the substance for the shadow. Don't miss the heart of what God is doing and is continuing to do through this good news that Jesus has come. Don't miss it, my friends. Don't miss out on the opportunity to glorify Him forevermore because our glory, as our brother has shared with us, is fading and will continue to fade. But there is one glory that will last forever. There is one God who will rule and reign forever. And this is the God who has shown us what He is like. He has shown us what His character is is like and he has shown you my friend that he is for you and not against you that he is longing for you to be reconciled to him not to face condemnation he is longing for you to be a part of his body the church not to be some selfish disintegrating individual who pursues your own passions to their own demise he is a loving god who welcomes those who Turn away from their sins and come to Him to confess that Jesus, this greatest of all gifts, 
is what we really need. And friend, I don't know where you are in this moment. I don't know what you're wading through in your life. I don't know what sins you're struggling with. I don't know what tragedies you may be dealing with. Only you and the Lord know these things. But I can give you this steadfast hope that God loves you, that He desires for you to be an instrument of His glory. The very God who created you now yearns for you to be restored to Him, and He has paved the way, my friends. He has broken down every barrier. He has borne the condemnation that you deserve upon Himself as He sent God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, to bear the cross of Calvary. And He offers you the hope of all eternity and that whosoever will trust in Him, He will not reject, but He will receive into eternal life. Is this a hope that you are clinging to? Is, is this the substance that drives you into a joyful Christmas celebration? Then praise God, you have what this gift is all about. But if that's not you, my friends, I just want to tell you that He is ready and willing to receive whosoever will. Turn away from their sins. Come to Jesus and say, Lord, I believe, I trust in you. I entrust my life to you. I want you to be Lord and Savior. Grant to me the opportunity to be an instrument of your glory. Let's close with a word of prayer. Our praise team is going to come as we pray. Father, we thank you for our brother and this message of who you are that you laid on his heart that just brings to us such a vivid reminder of what needs to be the substance of our meditations and our reflections that will lead us into a true joyful celebration here in this Christmas. So Father, let us not forsake this greatest of all gifts, but I pray that every heart, every conscience in this place would leave today, O oh Lord, with a clear conscience, knowing that the greatest of all gifts has come for us and we have received this gift. Father, if there's anyone in this place who has not received this gift, if there's anyone who has not contemplated to this point just the greatness of who you are, the majesty, the weight of your name, then, oh Lord, I pray by the power of your spirit that you would draw in these moments individuals to see who you are, the love that you have, the judgment that we deserve, and yet the grace and the compassion and the mercy that you have shown which calls us home. And I pray that you would draw to yourself those who need to come home for this Christmas season. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.